Welcome to the Wheels Up Podcast, the resource to help business, executive, and VIP travelers stay safe on the ground and in the air. Join Executive Protection and Travel Security Specialist Troy Clayton as he shares tips on how to give yourself or those in your care a safe journey, no matter where your travels take you. Welcome back to the Wheels Up Podcast. I'm Brett Jarman, co-host of the show with Troy Clayton. And today we're continuing our discussion with Steve Albritton. Steve is an executive protection um, expert from the United States of America. Steve runs a consultancy and an agency. In particular, his focus is on recruitment in the industry, helping companies build a security team, helping people get into the industry. And he also helps companies put together uh, security policies and travel policies. So in case you missed it, we had the first part of this discussion back on episode six of the Wheels Up podcast. So if you're listening to this on your favorite podcast player, jump back to episode six if you haven't already. It was a very interesting discussion. Um, Steve talked about executive protection industry trends, uh, talked about the importance of preparation, and uh, sort of gave us a bit of a reality check on um, what it means to get into into the executive, executive protection industry. Um, talked about the, the family dynamic, what to do when you're when families are involved in an executive protection task, um, the importance of a service culture, um, being a bodyguard is, or being an executive protection agent isn't just about walking around with dark sunglasses looking cool. There's a lot of um, a lot of other stuff that goes to it. And also the importance of local knowledge. Uh, those are just some of the things that we covered in that episode. So that was episode six. And now we'll pick it up where we left off on that conversation. And so thanks for joining us. Speaking of support uh, and talking about the the um, the travel side of it, what general advice? So within op structure, when you're when um, you're giving advice, Steve, what general advice do you uh, provide to companies looking to set up a security program, and specifically sort of related to CEOs or company directors or executives um, who would need to travel? What advice do you pass on to them when when they're looking for that? Yeah, yeah, that's a boy, that that that's a that's a pretty comprehensive question. Um, uh, but I'll say when dealing with clients on, if they've never had security before and they're, and they're trying to break into another country or traveling uh, or wanting you to build a global network for them, um, it can get quite complicated. Uh, I, I think the biggest thing on building teams, um, and, and building and, and talking to a new client is just to be honest with them. And, and I, I, I would use one word is compromise. Um, and with most companies, I think if you're up front with them and let them know that the, in, in the security world, there is no 100%. So essentially, the closer you want to get to 100% of security, meaning anywhere, anytime, all the time, 24-7, means a huge amount of expense. Usually that expense exceeds what they're willing to pay for. So when you go in with a new client is and, and actually existing clients, it's a constant balance of compromise. And so it, it's, it's getting them to understand that that compromise means um, for this much money, this is what you're going to get and using their profile to build the best um, mitigation team or to mitigate the security of, of where they're going and, and using it to, to mitigate that. Um, if that, if that, yeah, absolutely. It's, it's really about going in and tailoring, um, tailoring the what it is they they require 
um, versus the risk that they're exposed to. I guess. Yes. Yes. But, yeah. Yeah. And having them understand what true security means to them, um, you know, um, if 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 because it's quite different if they want security as a little bit more show if you're dealing with that and I and I'll be honest with you. I don't, and I haven't in the past dealt with a lot of the Hollywood style, um, let's say actors and actresses and singers. I just, that just hasn't been my cup of tea. Not that I wouldn't do that, but um, it, it's, uh, that, that gets even more complicated because a lot of the security, and I'm not saying it's all for show, but sometimes it is. Um, yeah. and, and that's, uh, and that's hard to deal with. But, uh, but going back to your original question, it's just sitting down and being honest with the client. Um, and, and you're, you're building a, a team around them and letting them know that, but it's, it's essentially compromise. And again, if, if, if they, if they've got unlimited funds, um, you can try to get that risk mitigation as high as possible around them. But, uh, most of it comes down to where they're going and when they're doing it. Um, and, and, you know, and, and w one thing off of that, Troy, and I know we haven't talked about this is it, for new clients, I think one huge element they forget in the security world, and you know, we all watch the news and television and so forth, and you just don't hear much about of about it. Is the medical side of executive protection, close protection? Uh, you know, years ago, um, the guys did not. I mean, they knew first aid and CPR. Now it's pretty close. It's it's a pretty. I mean, it's it's um a, a norm for EMTs and paramedics to be involved in the security piece. So for new clients, I mean, we, we immediately address that with them. Um, yeah. and, and that, you know, in the, in the risk mitigation business, um, uh, getting into a car accident might be the highest risk for a lot of clients. So for you take an, an, a, a person that let's say, um, an, uh, a CEO of an insurance firm or some really high net worth, uh, corporation, but not high net worth individual where people don't know them, their, their likelihood, their biggest risk is going to be medical in the sense of they want to have a top notch driver, a very well trained driver in city traffic, because that's probably their biggest risk. And so when you go in and build a new team around uh, new clients, it, 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 a lot of it is explaining that and educating them in that. Um, yeah, it's, look, it's really interesting to hear you say that. Is I mean, obviously, you're aware of uh, the medical capability that we provide because um, mm -hmm. we've provided that to you before. But it's one of those big ticket items that that obviously we continue to push uh, with you know potential clients that we go and meet. You know, it, they're all about the security, and it's I, I sit with them and I say, look, it's it's not necessarily just about security; it's about risk. You know, the risk yeah. of uh, injury. Uh, the risk of attack, the risk of an accident. You know, it's, it's, everything is to do with risk. So they, they really need to um, uh, look at a, 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 a holistic approach to, to the, the travel yeah. safety and their travel yeah. security as, as they go. I mean, there's no point um, having a, um, you know, you sit down and you work out a, a, um, a risk assessment on, on the particular client and it may not be the CEO. It may be any one of the, the, the staff members that are traveling and, you know, you, you sit down and work out, well, what's the, what's the health risk to these people? Do they have yeah. diabetes? Is it yeah. a heart problem? You know, um, and that's going to make, you know, it's going to allow you to tailor your response better. You know, do I need to carry a defibrillator? Yes, I do. Do I need to have a paramedic? Can I get away with an EMT? Can I um, just get away with security? So it's all about that. Yeah. And I know that you're, you, you, you sort of hit the nail on the head with EMTs because I know that when you, with your previous team, I, I'm pretty sure all of the guys that you had were, were EMT trained. 
Yes, that was the last model uh, that I worked with. The company is is um, is is building a medical team around our client. And uh, yep. to be honest, I, I I take pride in that. I I believe I I I don't know this for sure that it was it it is a, and still an existing uh, one of the very few teams that was built um, with a medical program from the ground up. And so yep. that's where you guys came in play with that too, uh, to meet that standard, even in, for international travel. So you can have the best team in the world I- internally, but if they're traveling outside of your capability into other locations and you got to s- continue to meet that requirement. So you got to hire contractors to do that. So, so yeah, yep. I, I take pride in that, uh, having medical directors and paramedics and EMTs. It's, it, it's not for every team. Uh, yep. but again, like you said, um, you know, it, it is about risk mitigation, and sometimes, sometimes I think clients forget what the actual risk is. Uh, they're looking; they they might be looking at at guns and big guys and big arms, we call it. But yep. their their propensity maybe to have a heart attack is much greater than any other thing. So, you it's educating them on that. Yeah. And that's the case of the, 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 the company sitting down with you. Um, and I guess it comes back to what Brett was saying as well. Not, not everyone's going to have the, um, the ability to have a full EP team. That's right. Team. Um, I guess where you and I are sort of coming to it these days is as well as that side of it, we also go in and do the consulting where we can sit down with the, the HR departments or the, the risk teams that are embedded into the companies and sit down and go, have you thought of this? This is what you should be putting into your yep. policy. So, yeah. Yep. Yeah, that's right. That's right. You know, and that even goes that even goes down to things like, uh, you know, on the security side, um, you know, as as a as a manager or even a security operative and you're in another country with your client, you might be the one dictating um, which helicopter to contract and 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 telling him, hey, look, we we advise you to fly in this helicopter. That one has 10,000 hours on it. Put the staff in that second one which might be yeah. us, but hey, that's what you do, you know? Um, and, and so that's, the yeah, that's right. That's right. Or you're constantly right. thinking about that or, or, you know, walking shoreside uh, to fill the water and you're in crocodile territory. I mean, you laugh, yeah, right. but that happens. <laughs> Stuff like that happens. Yeah. You see people doing things like that. So uh, yep. it's, not, yep. it's not about uh, big arms and guns. It's definitely not about yeah. that. But. No, that's it. So Steve, um, as, as Troy just mentioned, not all of us can, can afford to have an EP protection team. How important is it for the average traveller to have a, a travel or a journey plan and how does this increase their safety? Yeah, you know, that's a good question. Um, you know, going back, to, going back to the close protection field, when you, look at, when you look at large companies, for example, some of the companies that Troy has taken care of and some of the companies I have worked for, um, you know, they're designed, some of these larger companies are designed to where they have Intel analysts, point of interest uh, personnel. They have multiple big teams of, of executive protection. Every single one of those roles cover a specific uh, area in the security world. But when you're talking about the general person traveling or let's say one client, and I've traveled with clients like this before, one client one close protection guy and you're it. Um, that guy is essentially, that can be a very difficult job because he's got to wear multiple hats. He has to be, you know, on Monday night before they're traveling to, on Tuesday, he's the one on the computer trying to find out, Hey, are there any, are there any issues with where we're going? Uh, for example, are there, are there, um, you know, uh, um, are there any, um, 
airport closures in certain locations. So he's essentially wearing about five different hats. And you would do that if, you know, traveling individually is you have to wear multiple hats. You don't have, you don't have all these specific roles where you got uh, a close protection, an EMT, a security analyst, a threat analysis person doing this, um, a travel planner booking your flights and making sure you have your hotel room. Um, those are just five different little areas. But when you're traveling by yourself, you have to do it all. Um, and at my house, my wife does all that. She books the travel. She does the family stuff. She makes sure. She's um, your EP team. She's my EP team. Yeah. I like it. And I guess from a, uh, from a, for, for the companies that don't have the budget with, um, for an EP team, and kind of going exactly what you were sort of saying there, Steve, is that it, it is, uh, it's a case of somebody within that company has to then provide that planning. Someone has to do that. So if they don't have a budget for an EP team, the other option that they can look at is, is outsource that to a risk management company or a risk yes. management firm and go, okay, well, we are traveling here. What do you advise? And, and they'll say, look, we don't have a budget for someone that boots on the ground. We don't have, we can't, we don't have time to, to send someone over there. It may be a case of, okay, well, we've, we've got assets there. We know the area. This is what we advise and, and this is the risk management plan that we would put in place. And so they may, they may be able to follow something like that rather than have a whole, whole EP team as well. That's true. That's true. Even just the simple things of a secure driver, uh, secure Absolutely. driver. Yeah, that's a really good point. In my former company, we would send people into Kenya to work. Well, we didn't travel with them. This is employees, but we would, um, or the company would provide just a telephone number for them to call and a secure driver source. And that might be just a local guy on the ground that picks them up from the airport, takes them to the hotel, picks them up cool. the next morning. Uh, man, you're talking about that alleviates a lot of uh, risk in their life uh, while they're traveling um, yep. to other locations. Yep. Yeah, you, I think we spoke earlier uh, about the previous podcast and the uh, the checklist that we've got. Did, have you managed to have a look at that yet, Steve? Or you um, you might have to go and have a look after this. Yeah, I'll, I need to look at that. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So we we cover off on that as well. So it's, yeah, it's worth yeah. It. I'm gonna go back. I'll go back and look at all of those. So. So going back to, um, you know, obviously having worked with you before, Steve, and, and the team, you know, we, we um, what, and, and I guess not just with you, but with other teams that we've, we've worked with in the security space, um, it, it's generally in that, that sort of top 1% is that, you know, the, the security team tends to be a, a small cog in a big wheel or a big organisation, so to speak. Um, and, and a lot of these organisations have, you know, full admin teams, logistics, event coordinators and, and whatnot. Um, and a lot of a lot of the, the companies and businesses out there, like the Fortune 500 companies, have those that sort of support as well. Mm -hmm. um, that being said, uh, you know, I find that when we do these large scale operations, even with the amount of planning that goes into it and the the amount of support elements that are there, it's usually um, security is usually Johnny on the spot. Security is yeah. is the one that ends up picking up a lot of the slack. And yeah. and I guess my question to you is is um, why do you think this is the case? And I guess from a corporate point of view, how do you best explain that to the principal? And, or, or even do we need to explain that to the principal? Yeah, that's a good question. You know, a lot of that depends on the principal or the client, to be honest. Um, you know, in, in, the, in, the, in the high net worth, high, uh, uh, you know, uh, C-suite style um, clients, um, I, I think there is probably, if you divide it down the middle, there may be somewhere percentage that don't want to know that stuff. And then the other percentage want to know all of it and too much to the point to where it drives you crazy a little bit. 
Um, yep. And so, um, you know, it, it, it all depends on the client. Um, but in the end, of course, the client is king. And if they want to know the specifics of what goes on, um, you tell them. Uh, of course, we, I never, I never uh, would, uh, would say, you know, you hide stuff from your clients and stuff like that. But, uh, you know, uh, most of the time, the clients, I would say, in my experience, um, don't want to know. Um, yeah. They want the end product. They don't want to know. Um, the, essentially, they don't want to know how the clothes are washed. They want clean laundry. Yeah, got it. Yeah. <laughs> when they walk in. They don't care how you got their shirt clean in the middle of Africa, out in the middle of nowhere. <laughs> they, they put the clean shirt on and go with it and expect another clean shirt tomorrow, and yeah. you just make it happen. And that kind yeah. of sums up a lot of what we do in the security world. Like you said, um, having teams that are Johnny on the spot, um, you know, it, it's a spectacle when you have large operations like that. And to really, when you really think about it, how many moving parts – and, and uh, you've worked with my team, too, on some really, really large uh, stuff. I mean, where we had upwards to 30 to 40 personnel uh, covering all over the world and basically leapfrogging from countries to countries. That's a, it's a spectacle at the end to really think how smooth things do go. But it's, it comes down to organization and planning and problem solving. Yeah. Um, and we, we keep coming back to that, don't we? We keep yeah. coming back to the whole yeah. planning and, and, and um, preparation. And it, and it really is. It's as simple as either having, look, we can have 30, 30 people, 30, 30 main detail, or we can have, you know, a consultancy providing policy and, and advice. It, it, it all comes yeah. down to that planning. Yeah. And realistically, yeah. I mean, you hear about that whole, the duck on water analogy, and we hear it all the time in our, in our industry, and, and you probably get sick of hearing it, but it really is. It's, it's, it's all about just getting it done. Um, um, the client or the owner or the principal or whatever you want to call them at that particular time. They don't want to hear about those little things. They just, exactly what you're saying. They want their yeah. shirt. They, yeah. they, they want it tomorrow as well. So you just That's make right. it happen. Yeah. 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 The only, and, and I would say the only big element to being able to achieve that. And, and, and I hope I'm not jumping forward because I'm, I'm, I'm not sure what the question, the next question will be if there's any, but uh, is having the right people to do it. Um, yeah. that's one of the biggest things. And that goes back to recruiting and building teams by having the correct people to do it and, and, uh, and, and them having those qualities that can do it because oh. you can, you can have, um, you can have the biggest teams in the world or the smallest, but if you don't have the right people, uh, in place, um, you're not going to have success. Um, yeah, yeah, totally agree. Yeah. So, yeah. so in actual fact, you, you did preempt the next question, um, which was around that. So, so I know recruitment is a big part of the business at Ops Structure. Mm-hmm. How, do you, yes. how do you deal with, like if someone's coming into the field, into the industry, uh, we just think it's all about standing around with dark glasses, you know, scanning the perimeter, looking for threats. But clearly listening to you guys is more to the job than that. How, how do you give, give someone who's coming into the, into the industry a reality check? Well, actually, there's a couple of times you're going to be going down the laundromat to, to, to get the laundry done. Yeah. Occasion. Uh, how do that you would be true. How yeah. do you communicate that to them? Yeah, yeah. You know, th- to to answer that question, I have to go back about twenty years, and and I'll say that, and and I, I don't I don't know. Um, you know, I, I started this in I started in this industry back in the mid nineties. Um, you know, when I was in law enforcement, and later in the late nineties, early two thousands. This was around pre nine eleven and right after nine eleven. Um, you know, starting this industry for new guys, I was one of those guys. And 
there was no there was nothing for me to start in this industry meaning there was nothing to read there was no linkedin there was it, it, it was a dream. It was like saying, man, I want to do that. And how do I yeah. get there? And you know what you did? You, you ordered, there was no books to read really. I mean, there was one or two books later, my mid two thousands. So essentially you just, you just kind of networked and, and kind of fell into it. And, and a lot of it came down to mentoring uh, people, you know, you meeting the right person and them kind of mentoring you and guiding you in the right direction. Um, and now I've moved 20 years forward and, Man, it's a terrific, exciting time in the close protection industry um, because now a, a, a person that wants to do this, if, if they, and, and I'll go back to my, put my recruiting hat on because, uh, you know, um, I, I was a hiring manager and, and I kind of had to redesign my entire recruiting uh, program within our company because we basically were going by what's happening right now in probably 95% of the companies and corporations in, in America and probably the world of, of this typical recruiting model of, uh, of a person that is a recruiter recruiting for our field, which is a niche-oriented field, right? So they, they, don't, they, didn't, they don't specifically know what to look for. They're recruiting for a specific model off of paper but have no idea really the idiosyncrasies of, of what they're looking for. And so, you know, when, when I, uh, when I were, when I was recruiting new people, um, of course, um, I looked at that quite different and took a lot more buy-in on that because of course, if the recruiter sent me someone and they ended up uh, hiring that person, I had to deal with them and basically train them. And that happened at times. But, um, you know, talking to someone new now, there's so much resources out there and so many things that they can read schools. I mean, again, going back to the protection schools, Troy can probably uh, um, agree with this. Man, there's a lot of schools out there. Now there's so many schools, you're trying to decide which one is real and which one's not and which one yeah. is tactical and which one's this. Uh, 20 years ago, there was nothing. So you, everything was OJT kind of on the job training. Um, but, but when recruiting new people, um, you know, in the end, I look for maturity and humility. And if you can find someone that is really mature and they're very humble, then to me, the rest, I can, I can get, I can, uh, uh get them through the system, uh, after that, you know, and I don't mean that I don't mean that you hire people that don't have the experience. I'm just saying that then they're on a fast track because yeah. maturity and humility, then you can point to them and say, go do this. And if you do this, you know, you're going to move along. Um, it brings me uh, back to um, one of my blogs. I, I, I blog quite a bit on LinkedIn and different stuff. And, uh, and one of my blogs, uh, the title of that is, is um, you know, the road to success or it's, it's, it's driving your way to success. Sorry, I forget my own. And, and so <laughs> for new guys, that's one way to start uh, in this field is if you have those qualities, organizational skills, maturity, humility, then you're still looking for a way to get going. A lot of it comes in, I know in the U.S. is driving. Um, yeah. and, and no one goes anywhere that they don't drive. They might fly in a G6 to Miami, but they got to drive from there to their location. So um, I hope that answers your question, but that, that's, that's my advice to anyone starting in this new field or, or if they want to start out is, is drive their way to success. 
is oh. is uh, is start out that way, and uh, you know, and contract contract services. That's that's yeah. whether it's starting out with a small local company, um, yeah. but but you know, you're you're not gonna you the likelihood is you're not gonna go from you know, straight from the military, straight to working for a C-level or, or a high net worth family. It's just probably not going to happen. So you just pick that path. And, uh, and, and so, you know, what I do is try to, try to help out new people. Um, I, I think back to 20 years ago all the time and, and how frustrating it was to start out in this industry. And it was a secretive industry. No one would tell you anything. Today, you can read and find out what you need to do. You can call... I mean, people like Troy, he's on LinkedIn. I'm on LinkedIn. What are we doing right now? We're, we're, we're giving people information. Um, yeah. So, yeah, man, it's, it would be an awesome time to start a career now because you, can, you, you have so much more resources out there. Um, and if you're looking for a mentor, you just call somebody and ask them. Uh, there's very few people to me, and I mean, in, in my world, that won't tell um, somebody something, you know, or, 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 you know, the secrecy has kind of gone away. There's still some people like that, but overall, uh, starting out new, um, I would say, yeah, read everything and find a mentor, uh, and yep. they'll tell you what you need to do. The difference is, is you doing it. Um, you know, I, I've had a lot of people in this industry that wanted to get going and I talked to them and this is former cops. They've been on the uh, police. They've been on the road 20 years. They've got the skills but they just don't want to take that next level. And, and so I talk to them and I tell them, Hey, this is what you got to do. I'll give you the steps. You got a pen and a piece of paper, write it down. If you do this, you'll be successful. No questions asked. And then I talk to them a year later and I'm like, Hey, did you, uh, did you do this? And they're like, no, but let me tell you about that new $20,000 Harley Davidson. I just bought, man, it's awesome. <laughs> I put new pipes on it. And so in the end, uh, for new people in this industry, you got to really want it. And, uh, yeah. and if you have the skills and you have the mindset, then Ooh. you've got to take the steps to do it and listen. And so realistically, it. someone just has to pick up the, pick up the phone and give you a call at Obstructure and they'll, um, you'd be more than happy to talk to them about the, <laughs> yeah, not everybody. Uh, well, I, I not everybody. That, <laughs> yeah, I don't have that many uh, hours in the day or that much time in the day, but, but I'm just saying, I'm using myself as an example. There's yeah. tons of people out there and senior guys and people that have worked their way through the industry that you can find yeah. out what you need to do. It's just in the end, it comes down to you doing it. Absolutely. Yeah. So, so just bringing it back to travel, um, you know, you've, you've obviously traveled all over the world and this is pretty much be my, my, my final question that I've got, but mm-hmm. um, you know, you've traveled all over the world. You've worked with security teams all over the globe, including obviously us here at Panoptic Solutions. You know, is there, is there anything that you feel is a common trait amongst the professional teams working in that high end space, you know, and conversely, is there anything that you, um, you think that each team brings that differs from region to region? Hmm. Yeah. You know, to answer the question as an individual, um, because the, the teams generally, if they're built correctly, they'll have strength and weakness people. Um, yep. cause, because some guys are good at doing advanced work, as we talked about earlier. Some guys are not. Uh, some guys are good at the administrative level. Some guys are not. And it takes both. It takes a person, uh, you know, say a five-man team. You need at least two guys that can do really good advanced work. And those same two guys, might their, their administrative skills might have to be top-notch because they got to put it on paper. Because you, you can go do the most terrific advance in the world, but if you can't say what you did and you're then really 
it's, it's kind of a moot point at that um, point. But um, I would say the number one thing that, that uh, you know, on teams that I personally like and I, and I feel really comfortable sending people out is and, and because we all everybody has their personality quirks and traits that that uh, sometimes you know may, may be difficult or not, but uh, overall, if they can problem solve, problem solving is the key. You know, it doesn't matter where you're going, what you're doing is, and and if you that that's the number one trait. If they can problem solve without driving you absolutely nuts. Um, you know, or calling you in the middle of the night with simple things that the average close protection guy should be able to solve, then that's the key is problem solving. So getting from point A to point G um, on their own and being able to solve it. Not that you can't help them, but uh, yeah, problem solving is the key, man. It's um, yeah. 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 Because there's going to be, there's, there's going to be issues. There's going to be yep. issues. So, Oh, without a doubt. There always yeah. is. And I guess businesses uh, that are out there that, that, that may be listening or people within business that may be listening and going, well, I don't need an EP team. But um, I guess bringing it back to, to how they can um, get advantage out of all this is, is realistically, you know, if we have traveled the world and if, if companies or risk management teams have gone and done all this, they've compiled all this, this risk mitigation reports, they've compiled yep. all these advanced reports, they can then provide you that advice once again. And I kind of bring it back to that whole uh, risk consulting or bring it back to that whole policy, travel policy again. You know, we can advise on where to go, what to do, who to talk to, and, and, um, and what to stay away from. And it's almost like um, we, we spoke about a, um, um, a post-activity report, Brett, uh, in one of the, the previous podcasts, we spoke about a post-activity report, sitting down and, and compiling that. Um, and it's kind of like having all that information and we're, we're passing on those years of experience and that years of uh, safety and security knowledge uh, within a policy. Yep. Well said. That's, that's exactly what it is. Yep. And well said indeed. Um, I, I think we might wrap it up there, gents. We're, I've, I've run out of questions for now. And if we do have any more, um, no doubt we can get Steve back on at some point. How does that sound, Troy? Sounds great. Look, Steve, thanks so much for coming on, mate. It's been um, yeah, been a fantastic you. insight, you know, in, in part of the safety and security industry that, that's probably not often spoken about or not even really known about. So um, yeah. really appreciate yeah. Um, yeah. you coming in and spending time out of Obstructure. Yeah, thank you. I've enjoyed it. I've enjoyed it. really have. It's, uh, it's an exciting time. Yeah. They are. And, and I've enjoyed it also, Steve. So, Steve, if people want to find you, um, your website is opsstructure.com. That's opstructure.com. Um, if they wanted to email you, have you got a specific email address that you're happy for them to reach out to you on? Yeah, just Steve at Opstructure. Steve, that's S-T-E-V-E. Yep, Steve at Opstructure.com. Very good. All righty. And for our listeners, if you want to hear more episodes, you can jump across to wheelsuppodcast.net. You'll hear some more episodes from us. You heard Troy mention checklists on travel and safety. They are specifically episodes two and three. A lot of what we covered here today, um, if, if you go back and listen to those episodes and download the checklist, you, you'll be covered for a lot of these, these particular issues. And if you want to find Troy, uh, if he's, even if he's skirting around the world, he's always checking his email, you, you can track Troy down at info at panopticsolutions.com.au. That's P-A-N-O-P. No-A-U. Oh, no-A-U. No, 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 Beg your pardon. Okay, panopticsolutions. No. P-A-N-O-P-T-I-C solutions.com info app. Alrighty, gents. Beautiful. That'll get to me. That will. Okay. Yeah. Thanks.
Thanks, gents. And we'll talk to you again sometime. Yeah, I've enjoyed it. Thanks, Steve. Cheers. Thank you, guys. You've been listening to the Wheels Up podcast with Troy Clayton. For more information, show notes, resources, and subscription options, visit wheelsuppodcast.net. Wheels Up is brought to you by the Experts On Air podcast network. Until next time, safe travels.